Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway. 6th and Peabody, Nashville, Tennessee with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew is here. We are ready with plenty of NFL, college football topics and more. John McClain will join us in an hour. The latest on uh, all of the NFL Week 9 and Week 10 headlines. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Excited for a big show today. Had a uh, not-so-exciting Monday Night Football game last night, but whatever excitement was lacked in that game was well made up for by Jim Irsay and the Colts press conference. So plenty to talk about. Wow. Just uh, amazing. Sorry, boys, for not being here yesterday. I've fallen on the sword. Uh, you won't believe the details of just how stupid what I did was. I saved them for, for the air, do which tell. we do with our best information. Do tell. So I get back to the hotel <clears throat> after Chiefs and uh, Titans at Arrowhead. Uh, I do a little touch-up work, like one re-edit of my column, set up some tweets, set up my stuff to change for a quick change in the morning, and I... Get into bed at 2.30. So I've got three hours to sleep before a 5.30 alarm for my flight. And I get in my phone to set the alarm. Set the alarm. Go to bed with some uh, old Howard Stern stuff on, which I find is the best way for me to fall asleep. I don't fall asleep. I don't fall asleep well after games, period. I'm wound up. With three hours on the clock. And with three hours on the clock, I'm, I'm doomed, right? So set everything up, and then I proceed to toss and turn for two of the three hours in anticipation of the alarm. So I probably fall asleep for a legitimate hour, and then when I wake up, I know immediately this was longer than an hour. And I pick up the phone, and it's 6.30. And I'm like, oh, what the hell What time was your flight? My flight was 7.15. Were you staying in Kansas City proper or by the airport? No, uh, like 20 minutes. That I'm airport is at a the, ways away in Kansas City. That, that's yeah, why it's not I that bad. But I, I'm staying at the, at the downtown Marriott, which I think is where we stayed when we were there for the It's AFC a solid 30 game. to 45 minutes from downtown to the airport in Kansas City. Well, I'm telling you, somebody that's been there recently, as in yesterday, 20 minutes. Well, but there's the no air, way. Has the airport or downtown moved since I was there a year and a half ago? No. Or two years ago? <laughs> but I, got, I can I get there I in 20 minutes. I think I have a similar thing. I go up to that part of the country Twice a year, Paul. I, I understand the diff- difference. I just stayed right next to the airport last time I drove to Nebraska through Kansas City. At any rate, it was 20 minutes for me, but at 6.30, there's no chance in hell I'm making 7.15. So I'm immediately on the phone looking for what the alternative flights are, which are not good scenarios. Yeah, which is why you have 7.15. <laughs> right. So, um, I, you know, I, I send our boss a message. I call valet downstairs to reset my car. I call the parking spot, all of that, all of this stuff after I, I fixed the flight. Only then do I get to what happened with the alarm. Now, this is an ancient problem that has been solved by cell phones. 
But I, in a callback, a shout back to the glory days of alarm clock problems, did an AM, PM. Now, I don't know why there would have been a 5.30 p.m. alarm in my scroll of alarms to hit. You, you take a lot of naps. Yeah. So, so there well, could have no, been any of those naps was, that you took. It, it was much more likely a reminder <laughs> like to, that I had something to do at 5.30 or something to set at a 5.30. But for some reason, I didn't even think about it. When I went in my alarm scroll and I saw 5.30, I was like, oh, that's another early set. flight. And I just hit, hit the 5.30. So at 5.30 p.m. yesterday, I would have been set. But at 5.30 a.m., I was not. So apologies to you guys and to everybody involved. Uh, that's a really stupid move that won't uh, ever happen again in that way, shape, or form. And you'd think, well, once I settled all of that, at least I could sleep. But no, then I'm tortured at the mistake. So the, the return that I should have gotten, at least in getting more than three hours of sleep, didn't really happen because I tossed and turned in frustration with myself for quite some time well we had uh, plenty uh to discuss yesterday and plenty left over today with all the the news and notes from the weekend chad mentioned it uh baltimore wins over new orleans last night for monday night football the ravens have won three in a row the headline though in the nfl is the press conference that took place like in the middle of the first quarter and second quarter of the game just a quick aside on baltimore they've got the easiest schedule in the league now they play one team with a winning record the rest of the way Baltimore on the last weekend of the season. So we're, I mean, Cincinnati, Cincinnati on the last weekend of the season. So we're going to see the Ravens now probably coast. They've had a double digit lead in all of their games. Yeah. And they're six and three. They put up all the other ones, the worst record of anybody else that had a double digit lead in every game through nine games was eight and one. They're six and three. Bizarre presser with Jim Ursay, Jeff Saturday, and, and the Colts brass. Um, this was, I thought, going to be about Jeff Saturday. And the press conference turned into complaining and anger and frustration and all of the above and in between with Ursay and the problems that have been going on within the Colts organization and who's to blame. Well, we know everyone's been blamed over the last 12 months or so. Bunch of them fired. Most recently, Frank Reich yesterday... And while explaining why Jeff Saturday is the right guy, he also is standing up for everybody that's remaining in the organization, but also doesn't really do that by naming Jeff Saturday as the interim head coach, right? It, this is, the whole thing's crazy. Here, here is Jim Ursay um, yesterday on why he believes Saturday from the outside in is great for the organization. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league. That's because it's tough for all our coaches. They're afraid. They go to analytics, and it gets difficult. I mean, he doesn't have all that. He doesn't have that, that fear, and there was no other candidate. We were fortunate that he was available. There, there, Makes no sense. There's because owner Jim Ursay of the Colts. If Ursay thinks all coaches ultimately wind up with that fear, then Saturday will get it too. <laughs> It'll just take him a little while. Well, so what's he got? Two games of fearlessness, four, eight. Well, to Paul, to your point, and, and Chad, like uh, the other thing he doesn't have is a rapport with anybody within the organization in the locker room yeah, right now. This is my big thing with this move is he he's got to get to know sixty nine names, better yet, faces the fifty three guys, the sixteen uh, practice squad guys. Uh, how can you study up on that? I mean, I remember when Mike Vrabel arrived in Nashville. 
one of the first things he was doing was spending time going through the building, just getting to know everybody, talking to the, to the cleanup crew and to the cafeteria workers and to everybody. I mean, that stuff is important. I'm not saying Jeff Saturday has to prioritize that, but when you don't know who you're talking to or you're looking for, you don't know the guys. That, that's crazy to me. And, and I understand that Gus Bradley or, or John Fox or, or the uh, Ventrone, the special teams coach, could have a beef at not getting the promotion themselves. I feel like every other assistant coach in the building is actually empowered. Because if you're a position coach on this team, Jeff Saturday has to lean on you. He doesn't know who your people are or what the play calls for them are. He's got no choice but to come to you and ask your opinion, even if he doesn't trust you ultimately. Well, and how could he not trust you yet? He doesn't know you either. Remember when Florida State fired Willie Taggart and Deion Sanders started floating around immediately? And I remember that those reports and thinking, this is utterly insane. And then I started thinking about it more. I'm thinking, well, who knows? Maybe. It's a big swing. It's certainly boom or bust. I had the same feeling when I heard Jeff Saturday. I'm just uh, The initial response is, what? The guy that's on ESPN all the time? I, I know about his playing days with the Colts. It just doesn't make any sense right now. Off-season, But maybe. it's almost, you know, it, it's like if you bring back, um, you know, Barry Alvarez going back to coach a game or two. When a coach leaves at Wisconsin is one thing. Someone's stepping into that spot to be an interim, but an ESPN analyst who just got done calling out the Raiders to bring him back in this situation, and then to say in the press conference, we've got eight games with him and hopefully more, wink, wink. He wants him to be the coach. I mean, he wants this to work and for him to be retained as the full-time coach. It, it's a very peculiar decision that left me with many, many questions. Well, at the minimum, he's there to gather information internally for Jim Irsay. Yes. And that includes Chris Ballard, the general manager. It's hard not to look at it that way at a minimum level of over the next course of the next two months as we head down the path of trying to determine who our next quarterback is going to be. I need an evaluation of everything. He's already been a consultant for the organization in the past, and he's highly respected by everyone that has worked with the organization for years and that has played on the same team as him, uh, in the media with him, around league circles. Um, I don't mean to say that Jeff Saturday has no shot here, but he has an assistant quarterbacks coach calling plays now, in, in Indianapolis. I guess they're still going to trot out Sam Ellinger. I, I don't know that's that. What he said last night. Um, none of that's going to improve. And what message does this send to the locker room? And Chris Ballard... Uh, Got neutered. Yeah, this is a castration. I mean, he sits there and all he can do is rub his chin in frustration. The same guy after the 0-3 start who spoke to the media and said, everyone's waving the white flag. We're not doing that here. After the season, said the same thing. Like, we're, we're pissed off for greatness, and here we go. We're charging forward. We're going to get this right. Everything that he has had planned came to a huge, crumbling disaster yesterday. Because the one thing you could lean on was, well, Frank Reich's still here, and we're going down this path. We both got contract extensions and Ursay said, I'm good, he's good. And now all of a sudden, 
from the outside, here comes Jeff Saturday to be the savior of an organization that has really gone downhill over the last couple of years due to mismanagement from the general manager and head coach. I, um, when, when something is so universally panned, right? I think we all do this. I did this last night. I, I kind of tried to pause and step out of it, right? What's the counter to the universal panning of this? I, I, I mean, Jeff Saturday's a great leader, but leadership alone as a trait's not enough. And um, I just thought of Josh McCown. The Texans wanted to hire Josh McCown. Really, the Brian Flores law- lawsuit might have been the only thing that prevented yeah, it. And they right. were going to at least hire him on a regular cycle where he could have done the things I was just talking about Mike Vrabel doing at the beginning of the Been thing. the head coach. You started at the beginning. As a head coach, right, you, you, you create the playbook with your assistant coaches. You go through all of that time in February and Hire March and April. Right. You build the whole thing from the beginning. So if we were going to kill the Texans for that, then there's no way you don't kill the Colts for this because this is doing that along the way. This is like a kid dreams of this would come up with this scenario, right? You can do this in an NBA with a roster of, of 12 or 15 it's it's inconceivable with the intricacies of a playbook and the number of personalities to make this work. I know Jeff Saturday a little bit. I like him. I talked to him not long ago about Robert Kraft's candidacy for the the contributor uh, committee person on the Hall of Fame. But this is just an impossibility to do this and have it work. So like you're saying, uh, well. it's really kind of an Intel mission. And the Colts, the once mighty Colts who look like a a good organization are reaching new depths right now. Chad, the other thing, and we, we will play more of these crazy quotes from Jim Irsay uh, coming up in less than an hour. But one of the quotes that he puts out there is, I've never hired a losing head coach. It's not about believe, it's about fact, about what we've done. We're better than most. It's that simple. Our record proves it over a space of time. You don't have to believe much when it's there in black and white. He's talking about quintiles and quartiles. quartiles. I mean, We're the upper quartile of the upper quartile. Yeah. <laughs> but what he, what he fails to mention is Which I like. over the last... Should be a shirt for Colts And fans. this did start with Andrew Luck randomly retiring. But you can't lean on that. It's five you years? You can't lean on that. And yeah, but six years now. I mean, they've had, a, they've had a different quarterback every year and... Most recently, it's been Ursay that made the switch. 2019. Right? Based, three years. Based on, um, oh no, it's been longer than that. No, it's more that. than three years. Because they've had five different start, starting quarterbacks in five different years. 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, four, I thought. Or did, am I missing a year? Brissett. Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers. Um, Carson I, Wentz, and now Matt there Ryan. Was, there was one more in between I think there, it might have been Brissett twice. Um, well, it was Brissett... Anyway, the the thing about um, the, the the Andrew Luck thing, they lean on that when they need to, and it wasn't fair to the GM and head coach that was recently brought in that that happened to them. But the decisions made, Chad, on the quarterback situation and the reluctance to go to the run game when the quarterback situation wasn't great is what caved in Frank Wright. And yesterday it was more about how great Jim Irsay wanted to let you know his uh, decision-making was when it comes to having a Hall of Fame general manager, a Hall of Fame head coach, 
and a Hall of Fame quarterback all, uh, all history, under his history. hiring, right? So this is just this is something that was just revisionist history more than it was where they had it. You still have no clue if you're a Colts fan, if you're if you're uh, covering the league, where what the direction is of the organization. It's also uh, he seems to think that Chris Ballard is the next Hall of Famer based <laughs> on what he said. This is a very weird thing to say. He's talking about you know, and Chris Ballard's right there with him. I understand that, but. Questions about did you ever consider parting ways with the six-year general manager? And Ursay's quote, uh, quote was, "There's no question about that. Honestly, it's not really even in the consciousness of my mind. This guy's a winner, and he's been immensely successful." Were his comments about Chris Ballard? Now, you could give a very tepid response to that that would lead everyone to believe, "Oh, he's next. He's a lame duck GM." That's a little stronger than just the tepid response. It sounds like Chris Ballard is going to be the GM. With whatever they do next, now he could always change course, and they could lose out, and you know things can change in the in the end of the season where they they he reverses some of those words. But that was a pretty strong endorsement of Chris Ballard, which surprised me. The only thing is, he gave a very strong endorsement of Frank Reich a week ago. Well, Here, here's the one thing I see for the Colts hut: the draft order, which is fluid, right? Yes. But last week we were saying, well, the top three teams are quarterback teams. You're not going to be able to get in there. Right now, the draft order is Texans, Panthers, both need quarterbacks. Raiders, three. Steelers, four. Raiders have a pretty good quarterback. I don't know where they're going. For the Steelers, who just took a quarterback, the Lions are five. If you do the mortgage your picks to get up to three or four with a team that doesn't need a quarterback – the move the Colts have put off now for the better part of five years. If you love a guy three, who I don't think there's a guy to love three, the Colts, if something like this held, could finally make that move. I'm not saying it fixes them, but I'm saying that's how you go about starting to fix things if you like a quarterback there. By the yes. way, speaking of quarterbacks, Andrew Luck retired on August 24th, 2019. So three years ago. But four quarterbacks. Yeah. 19. 20, 21, wow. 22. I was right. So, <laughs> congratulations, Chad. I thought Brian Hoyer played that year. Um, the August, a story I, from I thought, August 24, 2019. It was during training camp. Luck retires, calls decision hardest of my life on August 24, 2019. He was booed off the field in yep. preseason. But that just goes to show how much has happened with that organization in such a short amount of time. It feels like 2007 since Andrew well, Luck played there because they've had a revolving door of guys and it was, come through there. That, it's just been three years. And it's been, you know, I don't fault them for the Phillip Rivers move uh, because at the time, he's at the tail end of his career, but they were competitive. They made the postseason. Um, you didn't know it was going to be his last year. And then you bring in, you have Frank Reich who endorses Carson Wentz and we have seen him win with Wentz. And it made sense. And he wanted and to stick with them even after a bad ending. That's what really messed them up as much as anything. Those last two losses, Raiders, I think, Jaguars. I last think year. the one thing that helps Chris Ballard over Frank Wright is everything you need to see in the final episode of Hard Knocks last year. Ballard, in the moment, is not you know, making excuses in the locker Cheerleading. room. Cheerleading. And then at the presser, the following day or the two days, whenever the the, the meeting happened with ownership, he is extremely emotional and he's angry about things. He's not happy. 
And I don't know if Frank Reich ever had that anger type emotion bubble up with anything. And I think that holds weight with Jim Ursay, who's also extremely emotional and frustrated and is just, you know, doing whatever he wants at any Which, time because he's the owner and that's his right, but also because it's Jim Ursay and he's a little quirky. Yeah, oh, he's, a, a little he's is, more than a little quirky. Yeah. He's kind of yeah. crazy. But here's the thing. And I'm not defending Reich because I don't think Reich did well in all of this. But if you've got an emotional general manager and they're both working for an emotional owner, it's probably good that one of those guys is more level-headed. Do you want three emotional guys in your three top roles? I'm not saying Reich was, was the right kind of unemotional and all of that, but I don't know if I want three uh, very emotional guys in those three roles. It's one thing to be emotional, another thing to be a dead fish. Yeah, that, that's a good and thing. That, that's, that's well said. That's what, to me, Carson Wentz and watching Reich. that watching that series of hard knocks in season, Reich and Carson Wentz were one and the same. In that, there Carson Wentz was more strange. He had some excitement to him, but Frank Reich is just too flatlined. It felt like for anyone to, to get any sort of inspiration around him. There's, I see what you're saying, Paul. Well, you don't, Saturday, you don't Saturday's want three like that. Just, Saturday's not super emotional. You don't want Saturday's three level. fiery, super emotional people, you know, firing off the top all the time. But you got to have a pulse. And Frank Reich seemed to lack that yeah, I think in his latter days. I think of the that's Colts. well said. I think Saturday might fit that bill. Now he's got other deficiencies that that we're covering. First thing he's got to do is get the respect of the coaching staff that had no shot at being the interim, and that's knows they're out, right? Yeah, yeah. they know they're out. So I mean, how they're going to be get, on the phone with their agent more. I mean, than, it's about being professional and trying to win, but yeah. at the same time, the guys know they're three, five, and one, and everyone else has been fired, and. I guess they could be next in line, or but at this point, you uh, after you fire the assistant quarterbacks coach, who are you going to fire next? It'd be impossible not to think about where am I going to live next and what's my next job if you're on that staff and working with your agent or someone to find the next landing spot. But you still have a job to do, also. And Jeff Saturday, if this is a serious thing with Ursay, where he's got a chance at landing the full time gig, you better believe he wants to win a, a few games. Florio always goes to extremes. Uh, which can be incredibly annoying. But in the issues that he raised as he considered this whole thing, you know, he was considering crazy reasons that the, 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 the press conference was being postponed. One of them he threw out there. You know, what, what if all the coaches are getting together and saying, we're not doing this. We're not doing if, if you're hiring Jeff Saturday, we're not doing this, which is preposterous, right? But I thought to myself, you know, that would be well, pretty clever of the coaches to do that. What if a, what if a coaching staff did do that? Said, Jim, this, this is crazy. We're not going to participate in that. So if you hire Jeff Saturday, I mean, they're going to get sued for breach of contract, right? But you could all quit, right? I mean, what, what, what got, power does that staff have? I mean, I, I would look at that staff and say, Thank you, you guys suck too. Yeah, but what are they going to do? They, they have no coaches then. Well, they have to coach. I mean, they well, could I mean, they, they could quit. Like they're they're under. Con- I don't. I Ursay mean, would go out and hire the rest of the ESPN staff to coach. Yeah, his they team. just hired yeah. some thirty year old guy who's had one year of uh, play calling experience to call plays. He could go get his Hebron Christian staff. Yeah. if he wanted that, he went three and seven with in high school. By the way, them up. Uh, I don't think. I don't think. My point is, I don't think that's a threat that Ursay would care about. Dan Orlovsky. He just hired Jeff Saturday. Did not deny that he and Saturday have talked about coaching <laughs> together. He was on Dan Patrick today, and he said, "I haven't talked with Jeff." directly about working with him now 
But we have had conversations about that while working at ESPN together. What's Marvin Harrison doing? Let's bring everybody back. Edron James want to coach running backs? Hey, let's just get the whole gang back together. Shout out to Scott Van Pelt, who last night did a terrific job. He said, I'm friends with Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday sat there a bunch of times. He's a terrific guy. But I have to question what they're doing. And and he took it very reasonably. And ESPN has soft-pedaled a lot of moves involving their own people because they're friends. And I thought Van Pelt was super professional last night at acknowledging a good friend of his, but also asking the same question everybody else has asked. Well, I, I saw when the news what the hell broke are we doing here, on, I think he on SportsCenter, Hannah Storm broke the news, and you could see the shock in her face, and she said, he's supposed to be right here next to me tomorrow. He's got a shift tomorrow to be on this SportsCenter show with me. I guess that's not happening now. I mean, you could see she was reacting in real time, like, Really? This is what's happening? And Ursula said story. he reached out Saturday evening or started the conversation Saturday evening, Sunday when New England happened, um, and they averaged just over two yards per play total. They started the conversations immediately after the game, and it was, it was done at that point. And then they fired right. And he claims that he would not have made the move if Saturday said no. So, would have waited till next week to find another well, alumni of the well, team that he Yes, left. yes. Uh, uh, maybe uh, Pat McAfee. Who knows? <laughs> uh, McAfee, he can't afford McAfee. Coming up, we will uh, dive into more of the comments from Jim Ursay. That's in roughly 35 minutes. When we come back, who has the most regret right now, any individual in the NFL? We'll dive in there. We'll also discuss Josh Allen and the elbow injury. A lot coming on Outkick 360, but first, Aurora Nutriscience, a trusted partner that keeps us at Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. VitaLifeScience.com is the website. V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com is where you can see more information. Outkick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. Your digestive system breaks these pills down until there's little left for you to benefit from. But here's Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes, and that ensures greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. Visit VitaLifeScience.com for more info. V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at VitaLifeScience.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us talking NFL and college football headlines today on Outkick 360. So, a lot of surprises across the NFL right now. Who do you think individually has the most regret? I think there are a number of contenders that could take the top spot. Uh, I've got a, I I've got got a, I've got a clear <laughs> number one. I have a handful of outside candidates as well, based on everything that went down this offseason. Chad, you're clear number one. Well, I, I, now that I think about it, there's maybe a close uh, second also. Uh, the, the Broncos, the trade for Russell Wilson, the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, you could put, I'd say Russell Wilson's the worst thing. 
right now going for them with what they gave up and with the way he's playing because you can always fire Nathaniel Hackett, which I think they will after this season, and hire a new coach. But that is an albatross around their neck at this point. And then you look on the flip side of Seattle being one of the better stories across the NFL and what they're doing with Geno Smith, it's really bad for the Broncos. I mean, you ask that question, that's the answer that comes to mind immediately with regret across the league. Got to be the Broncos. That's a good one. I've got several, but I'm going to go Green Bay with the Devontae Adams trade. Mm -hmm. I mean, you accommodated the guy, and that's all well and good. But uh, look, I, I think that and the they Raiders did, they did might. Tag him originally. I think that the Raiders might regret it as well for what they're paying him and where they are in the standings. They're terrible, so they're getting great production out of him. Well, but it's not turning into them contending in this division that everybody so, thought would be magnificent. And if he were in Green Bay, you'd have a hard time convincing me that the Packers would be in the trouble that they're in. So I think both sides could have regrets about that no matter whether Devontae Adams wants to be in Las Vegas with his old buddy or not. Um, you could also say Josh McDaniels could have a little bit of regret. He's waited, what, 10 years to take over, and he hasn't really picked up where well, we thought he would based on where he left off in but, Denver. But my question there, Hut, is like, if you have a chance to go be the guy, you're going to take it. Well, he's had chances, though. He's it. turned down multiple right. interviews. He turned he down the Colts found after one accepting that he, it. He finally found one he felt good about. It. He took it. He's, it turns out he's not a good head coach. Um, Tom Brady come to mind? Yep, for sure. Yeah. Now he's in Germany, and they just won on a last-second drive with nine seconds to go. He was and, pretty fired up about that one. And now he's four. his team's four and five. They're, number, they're, they're first in the NFC South. Meanwhile, in the AFC East, the Patriots are five and four, and they're in last place. So they're a game better than the Bucks, but in last place. Meanwhile, the Bucks are in first place in the South. Aaron Rodgers for for demanding the fifty. If he does that, I think he could also have regret about accommodated a, Adams. Right, Adams, or he should have retired. Um, a, a couple of others though, and and what sparked this I've is results from this week. John Robinson trading AJ Brown disaster. Um. That single-handedly may be the biggest move that affects more individual people in the league. From you have a MVP contender now at quarterback in Jalen Hurts, you have a unbeaten Philadelphia Eagles team in the best division in football, and you have Nick Sirianni, who is a Coach of the Year candidate because of all this. And AJ Brown gets paid; he's coming in, he's producing. Everything about Philly says they're in. And everything we saw on Sunday night says the Titans can't drive to get a field goal when they have to. And they, if they had A.J. Brown, would have beaten the Chiefs with a second-string quarterback. Who knows what they would have done with Buffalo. But even if you give Buffalo that blowout in week right. two on Monday night, the Titans would be in position, I think, to challenge Buffalo come playoffs. There still would be the Ryan Tannehill question, but it would be a much more well-rounded team. We all have the same level of faith in Mike Vrabel to figure things out, but he's playing with the hand tied behind his back. Well, not only and that. And he pretty much admitted that publicly twice. Oh, well, not only that, but everybody in that locker room knows it. This yeah. is all, They've already seen the storyline play out with A.J. Brown, <laughs> with this offense. Yeah, without him. That happened in the postseason last year to Cincinnati. 
and now they don't have a chance of going to getting points when they can't do anything but throw to get in position based on timing and clock management. So that, that to me is, that sticks out. I got another one for you. How about Chicago <coughs> finally figuring out what to do with Justin Fields? If they had behaved like this from the beginning of the season, we wouldn't have them all crossed off from our I list of playoff teams. Maybe not, yeah. Because they're actually running him and using him to the best of his capabilities. What was Eberflus and his staff doing early when, when he looked like he didn't belong in the league? It's ridiculous that it took him six or seven games to figure him out. It's also, it's not this past offseason, but what about the Colts regarding the decision to hire Frank Reich and not Mike Vrabel when they had the chance? Of those coaches that's hired good. in 2018, oh, Mike Vrabel's the only one that has not been fired. And he's had four winning seasons and three playoff appearances and a trip to the AFC Championship game during that time. And a long career ahead of him. It, it, it certainly appears so. Um, uh, two, two more that I don't think many would think about. Sean McVay. He could have left after a Super Bowl win where his organization went all in. And now they've come back, running it back. For what? They're done. Yeah, he could have the nice TV schedule. Yeah, you're, I'm watching that game against the Bucks, knowing that one of those the losers, they're they they're looking up, going, "This is there's no way we're climbing out of this," and they are not the same team. You know, you could also say Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald though wasn't going to get twenty million dollars in you know for a broadcast network. I guess he could have, but he was going to retire and be happy and decide to come back because McVay came back. McVay turned down bigger money to go to media in order to stay as the head coach and, and, you know, his prerogative. But I wonder, you know, because he did admit that he, he did have talks about it, what he thinks there. And, Chad, there's one other one. Al Michaels. Uh, I was going to go that direction. Al Michaels on Thursday Night Football calling some of the worst games of his career on a weekly basis. Not his fault on the schedule. It is what it is. I mean, he gets, he gets Falcons-Panthers this week. That's... That's not Al Michaels' quality. No, in his broadcast, it seems like, while it's not bad, he seems like a guy who's very cognizant about the fact that he's calling bad football. Well, he was energetic. And he's almost doing it like a a minor league type broadcast. He was energized, though, last week because he had Tampa and, correct me if I'm wrong, was it Tampa and Baltimore? Yeah. Was the last one? Yeah, I mean, he was energetic for that one, but not so much uh, over the course of this season. I got another one. Uh, the the remnants of the Bolin family who interviewed, uh, this was the list of rumored and reported candidates for head coach in Denver. Eric Bieniemy, Brian Callahan, Jonathan Gannon, Luke Getze, Aaron Glenn. How about that? Aaron Glenn. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, Gerard Mayo, Kellen Moore, Kevin O'Connell, and Dan Quinn. Who's missing from that list? Brian Dayball. Hmm who uh, is doing a hell of a job with the New York Giants. I imagine if he had gone to Denver. Kevin look, O'Connell, 7-1. Yeah, also. but uh, I mean, is he going to Denver over Minnesota? I, I don't know what the timing was like with those interviews. Minnesota took over a much better uh, existing thing. The Gi- Giants were a mess. Dayball's well, doing a hell easy, of a job. That's easy to say now. Yeah. I mean, no, you, sorry, yes. With the Giants, you're right. right. With, with that Had comparison. he gone to Denver, I think he would be right. doing a much better I'm job saying if you're getting the most Denver out of Russell Wilson. versus Minnesota, most would probably choose Denver. 
Yes. I, don't, I don't know when the timing Maybe. of the Russell Wilson trade was, but with Russell Wilson coming in, I think most would go there. Unless yeah. you just want ownership certainty, which Denver didn't have at the time. But, I mean, a lot of these coaches turned down opportunities to interview elsewhere. That's what sparked a lot of the discussion that some of these teams had already made up their mind before the coaching search happened. And then Belichick confirmed all that um, whenever he called <laughs> – he called the, the wrong yeah, bride. I don't know that Dayball went to a lot of places. You're right. Um, but still, I mean, it's a, it's yeah, a great point. chose very poorly. So as we restack the NFC and the AFC, let's, let's start with the, the NFC and look at the top here. Um, of course, we've got the Eagles with the, the number one seed in the first round bye. As it stands right now, the Vikings would host the 49ers. The Seahawks would host the Giants. The Buccaneers believe it or not, at four and five, would host the Dallas Cowboys. How about that? We talked about the seventh seed being such bad. Here, here the fourth seed is winning a division outside of 500. And, uh, you know, the Bucs are That was opening Germany. night, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. The, the Bucs are in Germany this week playing the Seahawks. Um, if you start to, to look at this, I, I mean, you're, you're right, Paul. I, I think there's a chance we see, you know, uh, the, the, I mean, the, wa- the, the Washington Commanders can still be in the mix for the seventh seed, and believe it or not. And that would be a three-division, uh, three-playoff team division in the and NFC East. From the AFC, so the Jets upset the Bills. Josh Allen has an elbow Great issue. Point. And now he is still overseeing the number one seed in the AFC. Kansas City is in the second seed right now, uh, and the head-to-head win comes with uh, Josh Allen in Arrowhead earlier this year. Uh, the Titans fall down a notch, and that's where we have uh, the AFC standings. The Chiefs right now would host the Chargers. Um, and by the way, that game's been flexed in Week 11 to Sunday night football. Uh, Steelers and Bengals head to Sunday afternoon. So the first NFL flex opportunity, it's now Chiefs-Chargers in Week 11. Ravens would host the Dolphins and the Titans would host the Jets in a 4-5 seed with the Bills still getting the bye. This to me is really an example of seventh seed because I think the Chargers are a notch. And I love the Chargers. I want to love the Chargers. I want the Chargers' success. But they are a notch below the rest of this field as far as I am concerned. And uh, I think Titans-Jets would be a hell of a compelling game. And the Without Bengals, very good I, I still quarterback think we're going to hear from side. the Bengals in this, too. I do, too. I do, too. Um, yeah, they're not, they're not going away. Wouldn't think so. Ravens winning was huge for them last night. And then, again, the Chiefs. Um, some tougher games coming up. And, again, they've got the Chargers. they still got to go through some of their division. But they get Jacksonville at home this week. The Bills are hosting Minnesota. Chad, to your point, at 7-1. and one, And we'll see about the, the quarterback situation for Josh Allen this week. Did he some hit fun the matchups arm? in that this group? If it this were to happen, yeah, he was hit, a pass rusher hit him. Okay, and um, and then he still he still threw according to Pro Football Focus or whoever this is, um, one of the analytic sites, um, and I'll give pop, proper credit with McLean uh, whenever I look this up. But he still threw the longest pass in the air of the NFL season thus far on the final play after the elbow injury. Just look too at the Which bunching crazy. here. I mean, the, the separation is, is minimal. I mean, you got uh, two losses or three losses and six wins or five wins. These teams are separated mostly by tiebreakers. Yep. And Better win your AFC games. No doubt. 
Hit us up with your thoughts at OutKick360. Um, coming up, we will continue the NFL and college football discussion. Right, around the corner, we've got Jim Ursay with some of the <laughs> the, uh, the montage comments that he had at the press conference. McLean joins us. Later, we're going to preview the college football playoff, which will be announced tonight. Chad will also get into the SEC schedule. And believe it or not, and I don't think it's that far-fetched, we could have the SEC championship game in Atlanta determined based on results this Saturday. That's next on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Withrow attempted to go dark on Tennessee and Georgia Saturday. Outkick 360 rolls on, meaning he had to coach a game. By the way, did you guys win? We did. Okay. We won good. our first game. Uh, thankfully, they won their first game. Go team. Uh, on a day where Tennessee was visiting Athens, visiting Georgia, and what was a big-time matchup of the season. And how did that go? So the game was at 5 p.m. Of course, you know, kickoff was 2.30 Central. So right at halftime, halftime was about 4.15, 4.20. So we got in the car. It was about 15, 20 minutes away. So we got there 10, 15 minutes to spare. I pull up to the gym we're going to play in, and it's a tiny community center that only has seats. It's literally a court and walls, about three feet, four feet in between the, the lines of the court and a wall, and chairs around the gym where parents can sit. Which means you can't avoid it if someone... So, yeah, but there are people in the lobby. I walk in. There are three gentlemen watching the game, talking about it. I see that. I run out immediately. One of the dads on the team is head-to-toe orange. He's got his phone out watching the game, so I avoid him. So I'm kind of standing back with a couple of the girls doing ball-handling drills in the parking lot away from all the parents, and I just go in and do sort of the earmuffs from old school, walk past the parents talking about it to see the scoreboard to see how much time's left. So once that game ends, we go in, we warm up for three minutes, play the game. I was actually compelled at one point to ask a parent, because I saw a dad and a granddad that were watching the game on their phone, and I saw them give, they both that Tennessee stuff on, they kind of gave a fist pump. So I came over, this is mid-second quarter of my game, and I said, don't tell me the score, but did something good or bad just happen? Because I saw a reaction, and they kind of gave me a, eh, don't worry about it. You know, nothing big going on. So I'm like, all right, that's all I need to know. But somehow I made it through. Game ended. I mean, I looked ridiculous because, you know, we shook hands, the the handshake line, and I just darted out of the gym. (laughs) I didn't stay for the post-game talk. I told Angie and Evie, I said, I'll be in the car. Waited there, radio down, got home, did not know what happened. Fast forward, I mean, I was expecting, it was 24 to 6. I mm-hmm. wasn't expecting much, but just fast forwarded quickly through the second half and, uh, and made it. Now, this Saturday, Tennessee plays Missouri at 11 a.m. We play at 2. So maybe I'll get a possession or two into the third quarter before pausing it and attempting the same exact thing. It'll be over. The hope is that uh, yeah. Tennessee is two. If it's not. 
Yeah, if Tennessee's not two-plus scores up, if this thing's tied or Missouri's leading at the half and I have to leave, that is going to be excruciating because parents are going to be watching it, and I'm going to be sitting there uh, like thinking I'm a psychic trying to figure out what their eyes are telling me as they're watching and not concentrating on my daughter's game. I don't think that you should try to avoid it. Here's the good news, though. With this this memorable season by my Vols going on, at least the next week, Tennessee plays at 6 or 6.30 and our game's at 2. So I will be home in plenty of time to actually sit and watch the entire game without having to go dark. But yes, the hope is Tennessee's up two-plus scores at halftime and I can at least somewhat relax as I watch the start of the third quarter and then leave and try to go back and see what happened. That's the hope. I'm impressed. I didn't think it was doable. Well, again, I, it almost did not happen because I wanted to know. I saw someone react, and I went around well, the, the basket and why were they pumping their fist them. if nothing good happened? Uh, they may have been looking at something else. They're both watching a phone like they're watching the game, but they could have received a text or something, and he was pointing and responding to something. Or the guy hit it over-under for passing yards or something in yeah. the game. Highlight of another game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's watching... Uh, He's watching Ohio State's uh, replay or something. He's watching the Northwestern players go nuts over the yeah. rain and the wind. <laughs> yeah. All right. We oh, got yeah. where we want. Here awesome. we go. Uh, coming up, Jim Ursay. Is he excited? He says, hey, media, shut up. Court time. Look elsewhere. We're going to win. Wait until you hear his comments about why he made the coaching change. It's next. We're now get 360.